Welcome to Heartland Church. It is our prayer that as you listen to the following message, you would experience the heart of God for your life. For more information about our ministry and available resources, visit us on the web at heartlandchurchonline.com. Now, let's join this week's service already in progress. I had scheduled Brittany to preach. And uh, I thought, you know, there is no reason to change that. Now I get to hear. So Brittany, come on up here. I love Brittany Wheeler. I love this girl. She is a blessing to this church. She's a blessing to me personally and to my family. And uh, she's, she's just a little power packed. I tell you what, you know, I've been shocked at how direct this girl can speak. And uh, she's been a tremendous blessing. And I know she has a word from the Lord. So put your hand towards her right now. Father, we just bless her. Lord, we lay claim to what she carries. Now release your word with great authority and power. In Jesus' name, amen. There you go. Okay, we are going to jump right in, running, because we don't have a ton of time here, but the message has already been preached three times, so you get to hear it again. Okay. <laughs> okay, so we're going to kind of move kind of quickly. So just to give you guys a little forewarning of what we're doing here, we're going to lay some biblical foundation first, and then we're going to jump into, okay, that's great that we can pull keys from scripture, but how do I apply that? What does it look it like in real life? And then we're going to jump to, let's apply that to how can I take these truths and apply it to my own life and be transformed. So the message that God's been burning in my heart is called reclaiming your voice. Um, and so I want to just go through real quick how the Lord um, burned that message in my heart um, and just back it up, ground it biblically. So whenever I first heard the Lord say that to me, reclaiming your voice, I'm like, okay, there surely is a better word to use than reclaim. I know what it means. But like I would think restore or something like that. And maybe you guys think this is silly, but I'm like, Lord, you have to tell me why you're speaking so firmly reclaim. And then I looked in the dictionary, which is always a good place to look if the Lord's telling you a word and you don't know why. And it said to take back to take by force and pull it back to you. And I realized what the Lord was trying to teach me, and that was your voice, who's restored. Like if I restored inheritance to you, I can do that for you. But reclaim means I have to go and I have to be the one to grab hold of what's mine, my voice, and I have to pull it back to me. It's my responsibility. No one else can do it for me. And so I'm like, yeah, Lord, you're pretty smart. It's a good, that's why you said reclaim your voice. Um, So I think that that's really important to know from the beginning is that we're demanding a return today of our voice and that it takes our action involved with what we're talking about today. Um, So then I started looking at the word voice, um, and you look in the concordance, and it's nothing fancy, a sound, a noise. Well, that's really great. We all kind of know. But then I dug a little deeper, and I found that the root meaning of the word voice in um, the Hebrew, it's the word 
Josh is going to tell me it's wrong, so I'm going to come over here and say, Cole, okay? Don't look at him right now. Uh, He's the grammar police. That's what I mean by that, okay? Okay, so the word call, and when I looked at the root meaning of it, it said um, that it means to call aloud. And then I started getting excited, and I'm like, I want to dig deeper into this word study. And so then I um, found uh, the cognitive meaning of the word, which if you're not familiar with what that means, because I wasn't, but what the cognitive meaning is like, so there can be um, parts of words that have similar, like dis, we mean, we know means not, like we break down the parts of the word, and then the cognitive meaning is like what the parts together all have in common. So for instance, if I said the word swell, add, and feed, you could see how swell does not mean the same as add or feed, but you can see how they all have a similarity. They're all enlarging, getting bigger, right? So when I looked at the word voice in the cognitive meaning, it meant to bring home. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. I'm so excited about that, um, that God, our voice um, is calling aloud to bring us back home. But then I got really excited when I looked at, um, Pastor David shared this from time to time, but there's a law in, I'm not going to say the fancy, is it hermeneutics, whatever. You don't know what that means anyway. Studying your Bible is what that means, okay? (laughs) There's this law that's called the law first mentioned. So I opened up the concordance, and I'm not going to bore you with the six pages of when voice is used every time in Scripture, but maybe a different time we can do that. Um, So the first time it's used is in Genesis 3.8. So you're welcome to flip there, or I'll just go quick. Um, So in Genesis 3.8, the first time that we hear this word, Cole is um, when God, Adam and Eve had just sinned, and God comes. In, in different translations, it says it different, but it's all the word called. And it says they heard the voice, or some translation says sound, but again, voice and sound is the same Hebrew word of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. So here we see the first encounter that Adam and Eve had with God, that people had with God. He's using, God is using his voice to say, come back home, my child. Come back home. And so what was Adam and Eve's first response to it? What our natural response is too. We're like, no, thank you, Lord. We're fine to stay hidden where we can't see you because it feels really scary to come back home. Um, so I just found that really interesting that there we get a little pattern of, of how each one of us have to face that stepping up to step into the voice and that God is calling to each one of us, come back home. Um, and so here we see uh, a key here is heeding to God's voice is the first step to reclaiming our own. Um, and then I just want to jump real quick into Matthew 3. Um, and here we see uh, Jesus. And the same thing happens with Jesus. In Matthew 3, verse 17, Jesus, we all know the story. He was baptized by, by John the Baptist in a voice came out of heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So here again, we see the father using his voice to call back home. Now, let's pause for a minute. I'm not saying that Jesus was totally lost in the same way that Adam and Eve was, because we know that he was a sinless man. But Hebrews 5 verses 8 and and 9 talks about Jesus learned obedience from the things that he was suffered. And by that, he became perfected and he became 
the source of eternal salvation. So here we see a process that even Jesus himself, so for us, we have to deal with the sin issue. Jesus didn't have to, but even he had to discipline his life. He had to learn obedience. And that's what made him become who he was to be able to use his voice. So his voice didn't get taken from him where he had to reclaim it, but he still had to use action to discipline himself and fight for stepping into who God called him to be. Um, So then we can hop down um, to Matthew 4. So we know what happens. The spirit comes. It's amazing. The Lord's like, you're my beloved son. You're going to change the world, right? And then what happens? He's driven by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil for 40 days. Yippee! That's like our favorite thing, right? Okay, maybe not. But let's, so he goes through this fast for 40 days. He's fasting. And then in verse three, it says, and he became hungry. And it's, it makes it seem like the 40 days and 40 nights are over, that his fast is over. So I don't know about you guys, but like the second the fast is over, it's like, let's head to the buffet line or something, or the chocolate that's been calling your name or something. I know you're supposed to like break it off easy, but that's why we don't preach that message here because we have a hard time with that ourselves, right? So Jesus, and we know that the first temptation that comes to him in verse three and four there is Satan comes to him and says, you're hungry. This is, you turn this stone into bread. Now we can just think through this for a second. His fast is over. He's hungry. Bread is good for you. It's not like he's going for the cheesecake or, you know, something like that. Bread would be good for his body, right? But what does Jesus say to him? He says, Um, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the father. And I love that so much that he could have, because we see here, like if a little bit after this, Jesus's first miracle was turning water into wine. So I'm pretty sure that that was a real temptation that came to him because he had the power to turn the bread into stones. It's not like if if the devil comes to you and is like, I want you to take that chair and make it a cheesecake. That's not even a temptation to you because you can't do it, right? So we know here that Jesus had the power to turn the stone into bread. He had the power. It was good for his body. It was good for his mind because he was starving. But he said, no, the father hasn't told me to do that yet. And so we see here that even in Jesus's life, the key to reclaiming um, uh, your voice is total submission to God's, to God's voice. So we have, that's just a little background just to get us started. And, and as I was just praying and I was asking the Lord, um, it's so easy for us to hear those principles sometimes and they just don't sink into our heart. And so sometimes it's really good to be able to find somebody's life that you can look at and be like, oh, I see how these keys worked in their life because that can be really helpful, at least to me. Um, And so I was asking the Lord and I'm like, Lord, you know, who do you want to be the pattern? I could take you guys to Judges 4 and 5 and show you Deborah and how Deborah, um, it was up to her to, it it says in um, 
Judges 5, awaken, awaken, Deborah, arise and sing your song. It was up to her to use her voice. And that's what caused all of Israel to be spared. I could take you guys to um, the book of John or any of the gospels. And I could show you all different ones of the disciples. How Jesus called out to them, come back home. He called to Peter, one of my favorite ones. You know, and he called in that day. Why did he even leave his boat if some random a person's walking by and it's like, Christy, leave your job. It might be tempting, but you're not just going to do it, right? But, but Jesus said to him, leave your net and I'm going to make you a fisher of men. So he heard the voice of God calling to him. There's some greater purpose in you and I want you to step into that purpose. And so he took the leap of faith. He lived with Jesus all those years and then Jesus dies and all of a sudden he's like, Lord, I'm the one that lied and I lost everything because I denied you three times even when you warned me about it. My voice is over Everything's lost, and I think Pastor Dave just preached about it, so I won't belabor it. You guys kind of probably know the story. But Jesus, like such a kind father, comes and makes breakfast for him by the beach. And he said, Peter, do you love me? And what was his response? Jesus says, feed my sheep. He was pointing him back to, remember when I told you you're a fisher of men? I want you to feed my sheep. So I could take you a million places in scripture and show you where Jesus did that. But the problem I feel like with that is, and I apologize if it's just me, sometimes whether it's reading the Bible or reading biographies of great men and women, it skips over the hurt and the pain and the mundane. It skips over those quiet moments where there wasn't anything great happening. So we open it up and we look and we see it as they were nothing. Jesus came and spoke to them and all of a sudden this amazing things are happening. And that is not how... I feel like anyone has it. And so I felt like the Lord said, no, I want you to share your story. And so I'm going to share my story today. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about the pain because the pain in our lives doesn't get to win. What gets to win is the healing and the journey that God takes us through so that we can reclaim our voice. So if you have questions after, I'm not unwilling to fill you in to a degree, but I want to just open up my heart and be raw and vulnerable here. And we're just going to get down to business together because at the end of the day, it's not just about me reclaiming my voice. It's about each one of you in here reclaiming your voice because we need everyone in here. Can you imagine what that would even look like? Even if you just take the amount of people in here, if each one of you said today, you know what devil, you don't get to win anymore. I am choosing to go back and by force reclaim my voice and take it. And if I'm walking in the fullness of that, just us in this room could change the world. I believe it. Just like those 50 children crying out to the Lord and peace comes to a nation. That's how our God works. Um, and so really fast, um, just over a brief overview of my life. So when I was about four years old, I can't remember if that's exactly right, but it's like, I just remember being so very little. Um, I started getting sexually abused by a family member and that happened up until the time that, um, I was about 12 or 14. Um, and so it was incredibly painful to be Um, having that happen to you in secret, I remember having to guard the door while it happened to my sisters and we would have to take turns. And of course you couldn't 
talk about it to anyone because just the danger of the situation. But the way it was presented to me was with a focus on the family book where it talked about how it was God's design. And this person had so twisted and tormented it or um, twisted the story and it created torment in my little heart as a little girl because here I am. We attended the Methodist church um, because my girl, I grew up on a dairy farm. So my grandma and grandpa lived next door and then my aunt across the street. And I'm pretty sure my grandma made sure that my mom and dad brought us to church every Sunday, but there was never talk at home about God or anything. So you would hear the message at church, but then there would be nothing. So I end up being completely tormented as a child because I hear this message at church and um, the, the Methodist church I went to, uh, it was like 15 minutes of hymns. You sang three hymns. You had 10 minutes of preaching, which is basically like, you can do life. Go see you next week. See you later. That's how it pretty much was. And so the only message that I really remember from church wasn't that God loves me other than Jesus loves you. We were singing that song. But um, it was, you know, for kids, it was like, you never have sex till you're married. That's the, what God says. And that was that point was hammered and hammered, which I mean, that's a valid, valid point. But when I'm a little girl and I've learned that this abuse being done to me is God's plan from the focus on the family book. And then I go to church and that's the only message I hear. I'm locked in this deadlock of like shame and just unbearable weight. And I remember being about 10 or 11 years old and my grandfather died. And then six months later, my other grandpa died. And then six months, six months later, my grandmother died. And then for like three years time, all these people in our family were dying like six months apart. And the enemy, he's such a punk. I wish I could go to each one of those children right now and just know what the enemy's trying to speak into their mind. Because as a 10, 11-year-old girl, I've somehow got this condemnation eating inside of me in the midst of all that, that you're the reason why those people are dying. They're dying because you're sin. What you're doing is wrong. The problem was is that I wasn't making the choice to have it done. I was, it was just being done in the way that my mind was um, brought into that was not okay. So here I am having to live with the shame and the condemnation every day of this. And then probably about the time I was 12 years old, um, things were tapering off a bit because the man who was doing it to me was like afraid, oh, you might get pregnant, so we're not going to do this as much, which I'm thankful for that. Um, but then what that turned into is growing up on the dairy farm, um, we would spend all summer long going from I would. <laughs> I don't know why my dad thought it was a good idea, but um, he would drop me off by myself at fairs for like two and a half months straight. I would just go from place to place to place by myself as a little 14, 15 an up year old girl and I would be there by myself all summer long and I don't know if you guys have been to fairs but they're not good places after dark when everyone's just very drunk and there's just a lot of bad things happening and so starting at the time I was 14 I would have um guys and men coming into my bed at night and they would do stuff to me and there's nothing I could do I was 
two hours away from home by myself. Back then, we didn't have cell phones. All you young people, I know that's hard to believe. Um, So I was by myself to fight this off. I remember one night watching the police drive by because they would drive by to patrol the area. And I'm watching from my bed as this person is in my bed. And I'm just crying because I'm like, there they are. But they they can, they're not doing anything to help me because they don't know what's being seen. So through that, I'm just getting a lot more shame of like, I know that this is wrong. And part of me within me wanted the attention of it, you know, so I didn't always um, say no to things. But at the same time, I was so trapped and feeling so isolated and broken inside. And each time it just made you feel more and more broken. Um, and then... When I was 16, I went to um, church camp, and it was, church camp always happened right before we would go to the fairs for the summer, and so I was just like, okay, Lord, you have to do something, because I know as soon as I get home from church camp, here's what's going to happen, and so um, one night, the man who was preaching, I have no idea what, how he was framing it or anything, but he was talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I grew up in the Methodist church, so that meant, like, speaking in tongues is from the devil and all of that good stuff, and so I, I don't know how he was framing it, but all I know is he said, if you want the Holy Spirit, and that's he'll he'll come live in you and he'll give you power to do things that you can't do on your own strength and I ran to the altar and I'm like Lord I have to have that I have to have the Holy Spirit in me because I know when I leave here I know what I have to go face and I can't do that anymore and so I ran right up front and I bawled for hours and I believe I don't know what the assemblies of God or what here would say, but I believe I was filled with the Holy Spirit that day. Even though I didn't speak in tongues, there was something different in me. And I left that day with a dependency on God. Like there may be things I can't do, but there's nothing you can't do, Jesus. And so I pressed into his heart and that same summer, the exact same thing happened. And it was probably even worse than, than the year before. Um, but I just kept pressing in. I'm like, God, I I know you have answers. I I refuse to give up. Your Holy Spirit, you said, lives in me. That means this has to change. And thankfully, then that that next year, I just pressed into God, and I was like, you have to do something. Um, My family, it's not like they're an awful family, but they're just very hurt people. So there's a lot of dysfunction in my family. And so I wasn't getting any help from anyone around me. Um, And in fact, we told my mom what had happened my mom and dad what had happened to us um, that year because my older sister was struggling so bad she had to go into counseling for a very long time and so she's like we have to tell mom and dad so we told them and and they just said you know I they left they're like we have to leave the room we'll be right back and when they came back in they said we just want to let you know the same thing happened to your mom and she was also raped so expect that to happen to you at some point in your life And I said, no. (laughs) But even though I said no, I lived with this fear for years of like, God, I can't let, I can't have that happen to me anymore because of the amount of pain and brokenness that it causes. And so in, in pressing into the Lord, I decided that God, you're my only option. Um, and I'm, I'm just going after you with all I have. And then shortly after that, um, that year I met Josh and then he was so much different than any 
any guy that I had ever dated before, and I'm thankful for him. But both of us just had one thing in common, that we were so hungry for God. And so, you know, we would just press into God together with a few of our friends from college. And then um, after we were married, we started going to this church that they needed a lot of help. And so we were like, oh, you know, we knew they loved Jesus. We want to help. We want to lay our lives down. And so we quickly became in this small church children's director, youth pastor, Sunday school teacher, worship. I'm not sure what all, but pretty much I was leading a intercess- intercessory worship, uh, not worship. You don't want me to worship and you hear me. Intercessory prayer time. Um, and I had started the group and a few weeks later, an elder of the church came to me. We'd been there at the church about a year at this point. And an elder of the church came to me and he said, I just want to tell you, I will never put a prayer request in that box that you put out. He said, I will come to you with my personal prayer request, but there's something you have to know about this church. It's full of gossips. And he said, I know that if I put my request in there, everyone in the church will know about it, but those people won't pray for me. I know that you'll pray for me, so I will come and talk to you, but I will not put it in there. And I'm like, oh no, this is not good what you're learning at a church after you've been there for a little while and we took the right around that um, time we took the church on a 21 day fast the first one they had ever been on and guess what what pastor dave preaches is true all hell broke loose after that and so that was really not exciting at all so all the all this sudden here josh and i we have no one in our lives to teach us like hey this is not right this is how you want to do things. We had nothing. We're just Lord teaches because we don't know. And so after that, um, the pastor never, ever once came to us and talked to us about anything. But instead, what he would do in the middle of a prayer meeting, everyone's praying. I'm laid out because that's how I pray. Josh paces. He's pacing. And all of a sudden, we hear his screaming voice yelling at us, telling us how awful we are. Then he starts having sermons where they're directed at, hey, this sermon's for Josh and Brittany. I'm going to tell you what they told me this week and then just go to town and it was the most painful experience because and we would go to them him in private afterwards and we're like hey if we're doing something wrong we're not trying to could you teach us and just help us know and he'd be like oh i know you guys pay the price hey could you be praying for my cousin because she's going through cancer and i know you guys pray could you be praying for her and that would be it and we, and so time and time again, we're like getting more and more confused. Like, what are we doing wrong that you're doing that? But then we ask you and you're wanting us to pray for you. We're really confused what is happening. Um, and so, you know, again, after lots of prayer and fasting, Josh and I, it had been in our heart before. We have this similarity with, with Kim, who I love so much. But we had always told the Lord, um, God, we want to go to the places where no one sees. It's not good enough for me to be in the Midwest, where in Illinois, where I grew up. That's where we were living at the time, where there's churches on every corner and people can know if they want to know. We had a friend in college who didn't know the gospel story until he was from Connecticut, until he was 18. And the only way he knew about it was because a church came to the school and said, do you have a drummer that we could use for our Easter cantata? And that's how this man knew salvation. And I was like, you have to be kidding me. In America, it can be like that. 
So in this, we had always been like, Lord, send us to the hard places. So in this season, we had just felt that burning. Our friend had moved back to Connecticut like four years before that or something. And we're like, let's go to the places no one knows. Because here people can know they just choose to turn a deaf ear. And so, I mean, that's not entirely true, but it felt like it at the time. So we packed everything up. Josh went out to Connecticut to set um, things up for our family to move. And then guess what? It wasn't, it wasn't glorious. Josh was there for nine months trying to get everything ready. And me and our daughter, um, Noelle, who at the time was one and a half and then turned two, we were back home waiting for everything to line in, into place. So this, Lord, we're ready to take on the world, turned into, really, God? Why are you separating our family for nine months? And this is actually really, really hard. Are you sure? But in the whole time, we kept feeling like the Lord's like, this is what I have for you. So again, like we read, Jesus moving by every voice or every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. We waited and then we went and we're like, yes, we're finally here. This whole, this whole state is going to, you know, burn their books of witchcraft tomorrow because there was a lot of that. And, and the whole state's going to come to know Jesus. And guess what happened? Not that. <laughs> Another incredibly painful experience happened in um, the place that Josh was working at ended up not paying him anymore, just decided not to after he'd already done like six weeks of work. The place that I had got a job at um, doing farming stuff because out there no one knows how to do that. And I happen to know um, because of growing up on the farm. So I managed a farm out there and um, two weeks before I became the manager, they had an E. coli outbreak, but it didn't show up until it takes a month or so till people get sick and then everyone knows about it. So I got there. I have four employees under me. The next week that comes out and I have no employees under me. So I'm working seven days a week, like 14 to 18 hour days. He's not getting paid. The church that um, we knew of out there, um, we didn't have a close relationship with the pastor, but he was from Britain and he had left the country, came back. They wouldn't approve his his visa, whatever it is. Um, And so they wouldn't allow him back in, which ended up being a very good thing because then they found out that he had been embezzling money from the church. He was an older single man that was um, having relations with younger women in the church. The whole thing was a nightmare, but then... And what happened was you have all the elders fighting for, I just want to be pushed to the front so I can be the next pastor. So it was a complete nightmare. Our friend that we knew, he married a woman out there that we didn't really know. And we get out there and they were the ones that we were going to partner with to do ministry. And all of a sudden we, we find out as we're meeting with them, trying to pray into God, what do you want to do? these things start popping up of, of relational tension that they're not able to work through. And we're like, we can't even pretend to do ministry if you guys don't have things right here. And so anyway, I just looked at the time and I'm like over time now, which is bad because I have half the message left to preach. So I'll try to jump into the next phase of our life. Um, we started a creamery um, at my parents' dairy farm, and which ended up, I'll just put it this way, that my whole family disowned me because they wanted the finance that went with it. And my dad said, you're not my daughter anymore. And it was very incredibly painful. So here I 
am, Lord, I've only tried to sacrifice and move with what you're saying, but I'm left with so much pain and brokenness. And so when we moved here, I had to make the choice. Um, I, I would get so mad coming to church and hearing, let the Father's love just reign over you because he loves you. And I'd be like, I'm not feeling a single thing. And, I, and through the last seven years, I don't have time to go into all of it. But the Lord has, has led me through healing. Um, and he showed me his great love where I, I feel it. But it's taken me getting in God's face and saying, I refuse to move until you heal my brokenness. Because I can't go through life being broken and hurt. And that's a big deal. So I want to quickly wrap this up. Um, that the three um, things, there could be a million more. Um, to the key to reclaiming your voice is number one, complete submission to God. I was reading a book in Pastor Bob's library and it said the fear of the Lord is the practical recognition in the soul that we are now here or we are now to be here for God's will, not our own. And I feel like we can get a little off track with reclaiming our voice kind of language when we think it's all about us. Because it's not. I need each one of you in this room to reclaim your voice so that together we're all reclaiming our voice. Because I only have a piece of it. But when we come together, I need Mary going and loving on the children with her mama's heart. Because if she doesn't do that, the words I speak to them won't land. We need her to rise up in her voice and be that for the children. Um, The second thing is inner healing. Um, I had to walk through forgiveness and breaking off shame. When I moved here, I couldn't even look at myself in the mirror because all I would see was the brokenness of the past. Um, And so that is a huge thing, grieving. Um, When I, when we moved, shortly after we moved here, I had a very traumatic miscarriage where um, I, I was by myself at home. So I passed out and broke my tailbone and it was a miracle that someone even was able to get to me. And I had to have two um, transfusions and was in the hospital for five days. And it was this whole big thing. And in that process, um, you know, I decided in my heart, I refused to be offended at God because I know he's not the one doing it. But I failed to grieve the process. And it wasn't until a year later that I just had to really cry a lot about what what had happened, and it's important for you guys to just be able to grieve the brokenness and the pain that you've gone through, and then growing in your identity of it's a journey to to know who we are and to stay in the pocket where we're always staying hungry whenever something comes at you that you don't understand. You can't let offense make you back off of taking hold of who you are and taking hold of your voice in Jesus. Um, and then finally, living a disciplined life. Um, we can look at, at um, the Bible and see Samson had an amazing voice. He's killing all these thousands of Philistines. But the thing that he failed was having discipline in his life, and that ended up making his voice be taken from him. So having a disciplined life is important. And it's important to be in the word every day. That's how Jesus knew to come against Satan and say, man shall not live by every word that at bread by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. He got that from Deuteronomy. It wasn't just a nice word that the Father spoke to him in the moment. He had a disciplined life, but that also means that I'm going to discipline myself saying, you, I am important, and I'm going to work and do whatever I need to do to, to go back and take by force my voice and be operating in that. Um, and so I just want to really quick go through a few life lessons 
and we'll leave um, Pastor Dave to talk to you sometime about how to guard against opposition in the future, which I know he's talked about that before. But I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but bad things are still going to happen at times in our, our life. So it's not like I can reclaim my voice once. It's something, a journey in our life that we always have to be checking our heart. Am I flowing in the fullness of who God made me to be, or do I need to do something to make sure that I'm getting back on track with that? So I want you guys to repeat after me with a few of these. I know I won't make you do the third one, but these have transformed my life and my healing journey. Um, Number one, um, I'll do it slow so you can do it. No matter what I go through, I refuse to be offended with the Lord. Number two, I am not a victim. I may have been a victim in certain situations, but I get to be powerful in my response. I love that. You don't have to say that. But I I want you to say this. I am powerful in what I choose to do from this point forward. And I'm just going to close with this, and this is a personal one for me. But I spent so much of my life letting the enemy rob me of my voice. I will spend my whole life helping other people see who they are in Christ and empowering them to find their voice and live out their destiny. And so I just want to pray with you um, really quick. And I just want to ask each one of you, I know we went over time, but I just ask that you would be sensitive to the Holy Spirit right now, because I know you might have lunch in the oven or whatever, but this is such an important message, because each one of you has such amazing value within you that I can't afford as your... I don't have family anymore that is family. As much as I want that, that's not an option for me. And so you guys are my family. That's why I love each one of you so much. That's why I care so much about leaning into God's heart and knowing, God, how do you see Ed Hall? How do you see Bob Bash? There's a teaching gift on your life, Bob Bash. And God's going to bring you to the platform for all the discipline you put your life in. We, guys... I love you guys, and we can't just let this be a thing where we hear a nice little message once and then go home and have Chinese or something, okay? We, I just ask that right now we just close our eyes and ask the Lord to just come. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you right now, God. God, I thank you that right now your heart is burning for each person in this room, God. I thank you that you love them with an everlasting love. And God, I thank you that each person in this room, you have put a voice inside of them to roar like a lion, whether that means in the quiet of being a stay-at-home mom, whether that means being a manicurist at a spa, whether that means that you're not seen at all in a billing department somewhere. I thank you that there's a mighty voice in each person. Shut up in their bones. They can't stay any longer. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come now. And you would just put a burning fire in each person's heart to say enough is enough. I am powerful now in what I choose to do from this point forward. 
And so I just invite you to come forward. If you just want to take a stand today and say, no more, I am choosing to reclaim my voice. I ask you to come forward right now and come quickly. If you've been offended with the Lord, it's okay. God can handle that. He loves you. And sometimes the times that I've been the most offended feeling with the Lord have really been an opportunity to know him in a greater way. And so, God, I just thank you, Father, that each one of these people are making a choice today to reclaim their voice for you, God. And I thank you, Jesus, for the family that you put in this place. I just ask that all of you that are up here, that you would stand up and reach your hands up. Feel free to come up behind them if you want, but at least if you would stand up and reach your hands out to them. We're family here. We do life together. We help each other reclaim our voice because that's what reclaims our voice as a family. And so go ahead and just be praying for them. Lord, we thank you that you love each one. I ask that you would give them supernatural grace, God, for the rest of the day today, for the rest of the week, this week, that they say no more will shame and brokenness and unforgiveness hold me back for who I am in Jesus. No more. And Lord, I grace, I ask that you would grace us as a congregation, that we would press into your heart. Just like Jesus said, there's no greater love than that someone would lay down their life for their brother and sister. And I ask for a supernatural grace to come on us as your family, God, that we would call each other. We would be relentless in our passion to get in the secret place, not just for ourselves, but for our brothers and sisters, that together we all come to reclaim our our voice and we transform this nation in the nations and we thank you for that Jesus want to invite you just to wait on the Lord here let the Lord minister to your heart so many of us we look at people like Brittany, who the Lord uses so powerfully, and we, we fill in this, this narrative that, well, she must have had everything just perfect, and that's why she is where she doesn't have the struggles we have. And now you know that's not true. And so don't let the enemy rob you of your destiny because of your history. Don't let him rob you of what God wants to do because of what someone else did in the past. So we're just going to put some music on. You, you continue to go off to the Lord. I'm going to pray here. And uh, if you want to come up for prayer, you're welcome to do that. If you need to leave, you're welcome to do that. If you just want to sit and receive from the Lord. But Father, we thank you for this message. And Lord, we ask that you would root it and establish it in our life. Lord, let it bring forth fruit. Lord, like Brittany said, we don't want to just hear a message and then move on. We want it to bring forth forth fruit in our life. So do it, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a presentation from Heartland Church in Ankeny, Iowa. For more information about our ministry and its available resources, visit us on the web at heartlandchurchonline.com. Thanks for listening.